Hey, St. John, welcome to the Post-Sermon Podcast. I am Deacon Estalia, and with me today is Pastor Wagner. How are you doing today, Pastor? I'm doing very well, thank you. Well, I'm really excited to have you on here. This is your first time that you've been on a podcast, correct? Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit just about preaching in general and then get into your sermon that you had preached um, at our our midweek service for Lent on Wednesday. Can you tell me just a little bit about yourself for maybe people who don't know, like a little bit about your ministry? Well, my ministry began in 1964, coming up on 60 years. Amazing. I served three congregations full-time. First, I was uh, in Winona, Minnesota, and uh, I took a call then to start a mission in the Mid-South District in Tennessee, Union City, Tennessee, and while I was there, I started a second mission uh, 30 miles away in Dyersburg, Tennessee, and then uh, I accepted a call in 1973 to Farmington, Missouri, and I served there the last 25 and a half years, retired there in 1998. In 1999, we moved to Indiana, uh, Lafayette, Indiana, and uh, they asked if I would serve part-time and I agreed, and that lasted 11 years. So um, we moved to uh, Columbus in 2010, and uh, I did a lot of substitute preaching up until about uh, a year and a half ago. Okay, and did you move to Columbus to be closer to your son and his family? Right. We came here because our son and his family were here, and uh, we had originally moved to Indiana to be close to them there. Okay. And... uh, they moved, we moved. Oh, very good. And now you will occasionally help at, at St. John, right? I do whenever I can. And you have a um, a Bible study, weekly Bible study, correct? Uh, on Friday mornings, we have a, a Bible study at 10 o'clock, and uh, we have about a dozen folks who usually gather. Most of them are retired. Well, very good. Um, well, I have to ask you, since this is a post-sermon podcast, and we'll be talking about your sermon. Um, I wanted to ask about your your sermons throughout the years. How did you go about preparing your sermons? Well, I always was very strong on, on being very textual. So I would uh, study, begin with the Bible study of the text, try to get a really good handle on what it was about, and how it applied to people, and then built the sermon on the basis of that study. Basically, the text always determined, you know, what direction I would go with the sermon. Okay. Um, Did you notice um, throughout the years just your sermons evolving, like how you would prepare them, or, or just the style, or? I don't know about the style, um... Because I'd imagine you would preach on the same text yes. quite a bit, too, as well. Yeah. Yes, that's true. Um, I think what happened uh, is that uh, in the beginning, I tried to prepare sermons the way we're taught at the seminary, and uh, it's very time-consuming and uh, uh, very thorough. It probably took you then longer, right? Several, yes, yes. Several hours. But. In the reality of the parish ministry, sometimes there's not that much time. 
And so um, I would probably take some shortcuts. A lot of times, instead of writing a, a whole manuscript, I would just work up an outline and uh, just work off of that. Okay, that's really cool. Were there any particular challenges in preaching? Not that I can remember. I've always enjoyed preaching. Well, that's great. Um, let's get in to the sermon that you preached this past Wednesday. Tell me a bit, a little bit about the text that you preached on. Uh, basically, you know, we're using the Luke account of the parable of the prodigal son. So that was kind of the primary text. Um, then also, uh, Pastor Adam had chosen uh, Ephesians two eleven to eighteen, and uh, I used that as kind of the uh, supporting text. And can you just give us a really short summary of what Ephesians two is saying? Saint Paul is writing to uh, the Jews and the Gentiles, and uh, emphasizing that. Uh, both Jew and Gentile are brought near to God through the blood of Christ, and uh, that that process works through the power of the Holy Spirit. And um, the reason he chose this text is because um, our focus this week was on the work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in the parable of the prodigal son, and then, of course, also in our Christian lives. Very good. And... The other thing that Pastor Adam gave you, so you had the text, but he also had given you a painting, right, to focus on. Yes. He gave me a painting by Edward Rojas, uh, spelled R-I-O-J-A-S, of the the prodigal son. Um, Edward Rojas is a contemporary artist. He, um, I've seen in pictures of him, he appears to be like maybe in his 60s, Um, basically made his living as an illustrator in the newspaper industry, but also has developed quite an extensive line of Christian artwork. And if you Google him online, you can actually uh, see a video of a speeded-up version of him sketching Jesus on the cross. It's really quite amazing. And uh, Edward Rojas uh, has a a penchant for putting little details in his pictures that um, bring out the, the thought he's trying to express. And that was the case with this picture as well. Yeah. Um, after listening to your sermon, I mean, you had brought up Father, Son, Holy Spirit quite a bit. And just it's very, I think he has a lot of Trinitarian details in yes, there that we can. Exactly. One of the things that uh, is kind of interesting is next to the Father's house, there are these three beautiful evergreens that are just exactly uh, the same. And um, I'm sure that that's his reference to the Trinity. Yeah, showing that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit yes, are at work. Yes, right. So can you tell me a little bit, um, what, was, what was your central teaching? Central teaching is that uh, everyone, the prodigal son, all of us, uh, can only be brought to the Father through the, the cross, through faith in the forgiveness of sins, through Jesus' death, and through the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit working in our hearts 
to bring us to faith. And can you tell us a little bit more? I know we mentioned the three evergreen trees, but are there other things in the painting that that show this central teaching? Very obviously, yes. Um, the left side of the picture, in the shadows, there is a crucifix. It's very small. It's kind of uh, attached to this massive rock uh, that uh, I think of as, in Ephesians, it talks about the dividing wall of hostility between God and the sinner, um, the cross, and then on the other side is a white dove, which uh, I'm sure is a reference to, you know, when Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove. And so um, so we have the Father uh, approaching his Son on the pathway. We have Jesus dying on the cross, and we have the Holy Spirit at work. Something I loved was how you mentioned in order for the prodigal son to be accepted by the father, the father would have to forgive the exactly. son of his sins. And and we see that here in, in the cross. Yeah. And I think the artist was really intentional about putting it on the side, the side of the world, the side yeah. of sinners, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's kind of in the dark shadow, which mm-hmm. is kind of reminiscent of uh, the three hours of darkness on the cross. Yes, and and I think there's a good contrast of darkness and lightness, yes. Yes. and even on the side of of the world with with darkness, we have those skulls too. Yes, so just yes. reminders of death, yes. right? Death. That's exactly. in that world. Yes. Um, yeah. No, there's so much. There's so many details, and um, I mean, I love that you had brought up the evergreen trees. I had looked at this painting so many times. And I don't know if my eyes had just skipped over that detail, <laughs> but I thought that was really cool too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and you had even mentioned um, like all of the houses that are yes. really close together, all the yes. people living there. Um, and you had brought up the example in St. Louis about the high-rise apartments in the late 1950s that had been built and all the trouble and sin that had come out of yes. that um, yes. housing situation. And it really is reminiscent of, of something yeah. like that in, yeah. in the, the painting. And I think you know the kind of towers in the background – kind of represent man's best effort. But look what's happening. They're going up in smoke. smoke. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, almost like they're about to just deteriorate. collapse, deteriorate, yeah, yeah. decay, yeah. right? Yeah. How did you intend to benefit your hearers and their faith or life? The intention was that we have the comfort and the assurance that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are at work in our lives. Um, in the parable... Uh, the, the father receives the son back into his good graces and receives him into his, his home. We have the comfort that because of the father's love, Christ's sacrifice on the cross for us, and the, the Holy Spirit at work in us, that we are received into God's kingdom now and in eternity. Yeah, you had made a really cool connection. Um, you'd, you'd start out talking about God forgiving this prodigal son in the account of Luke, but then how we are prodigal sons as yes, well by nature. Yes. yes. Um, so even if we had maybe grown up in the church all of our lives, um, all of us were born into sin. None of us escape yes. that. One thing I didn't mention in the sermon that I, I've thought about, I had a fellow in my congregation in Missouri who had been brought up as a Christian in his childhood, uh, 
when he became a teenager, he wandered away and stayed away for a number of years. And then he met a very fine Christian woman and married her, and by her uh, influence, she brought him back. And uh, one day he said to me, I've been in the church, and I've been outside the church, and I like being inside much better. Hmm. So he had that experience that exactly. the prodigal son did. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. You had said in your sermon about the prodigal son when he wasted the inheritance, um, when he when he left his father's house mm. and just like he was being used by people as soon sure. as he ran out of money. Sure. He had yes. nothing. He exactly. became homeless, right? Exactly. And I'm sure I'm sure just like that church member there's probably a lot of other people who can re- relate to that yes. that they were enticed by the world and maybe yeah. it was okay for a little bit. There are so many adjectives that we could use to describe the prodigal son. The father calls him dead and lost. Think of him as broken, uh, disillusioned. Uh, the list goes on and on of words that describe the bad state he was in. And you had mentioned even the definition of prodigal being like Which careless. means to be careless, reckless, wasteful. Um, describes him well. And just, yeah, talking about that dividing wall of hostility and that you can see that pretty clearly and yes. how all of those words are definitely fit well on one side of the painting yes um and how different that that contrast is than when we get when he returns right yeah, and you see exactly. and i love that image too of just the father um running you know we have the prodigal son head bowed in shame right i mean yes. he, he i think at this moment doesn't know what if he's going to be accepted if maybe right. he can just be a servant mm-hmm. of the house and Yet, um, while he was a long way off, we see the father running. Yeah, I always have this vision in my mind of the father sitting at his gate day after day, looking, looking, hoping to see a sign of his son. And when he appears, he makes a mad dash to reach out to him. Yeah, I guess I'd never never thought of that. But yeah, he he was very likely just waiting, Mm -hmm. watching for him. exactly. Yeah. Um, I know something else I really liked in your sermon. You you had mentioned Father, Son, Holy Spirit at work and how you had, I believe, was it a classmate who described the Holy Spirit as our remembrancer? It was. That, a, or a <clears throat> teacher? Or? An elderly gentleman in my Bible class. Oh, okay, in your Bible class. <clears throat> it was very insightful, and uh, I often mention that. Yeah, so remembrancer, so... The point being that the Holy Spirit reminds us all that Jesus has yeah. has promised, right? I think that was really key in the story of the prodigal son, that he remembered what the relationship had been, what the promises had been, what the Father had said to him when he was there, and to realize that that was the basis for which he could go home again. It worked that way in our lives, too. Sometimes uh, maybe you have this experience that's maybe in the middle of the night, a, a Bible passage comes to your mind when you're awake, and uh, you don't know where it came from. You just you just remembered, and and it has importance, and it applies to us. And uh, uh, the Holy Spirit works that way today too. Yeah, that is really cool. Just to think, I mean, we've been nourished for however many years we've been part of the church, part of the faith, and 
uh, yeah, and I don't know. We can forget sermons we've heard, right? Sure, like sure. very easily, or what? Well, sure. Um, and yet, that I don't know. That's a perfect example of maybe we're feeling lost and broken. And there are times, yeah, Bible verses pop up, or maybe we're reminded through a person, right, um, of those promises, and it gets back to that nourishment we had received. And I think that fact is the the most important reason for Christian education that we instill in children at an early age the Word of God so that when they are older that they have something to recall. and um, That seed is planted. Exactly. And uh, so that uh, is an important reason why we should put in a lot of effort to um, proclaim the Word at an early age in a the lives of our children. I love that. And you had mentioned, too, just the sad fact that there are far less confirmations than baptisms. Yes, yes. And what happened in between, I don't know. But um, people get lost. Yeah, I was at a conference this past week, Best Practices in Phoenix, and I remember trying to think who said this, but there, there was a presenter who just mentioned how we, whether or not we like this or even realize this, we are breathing the air in um, of the culture around us, and we're very much formed by the world and ideas yes. more than we are even conscious sure. of. Sure. And yet we're also being formed by the church, and, and that does just, like you said, show the importance of Christian education. Um, yeah. Because that that's truth, right? And truth yes, yes. Um, is much more foundational than the lies we get from our culture and world today. What was a challenge for you with the sermon process? Well, I think it may be a little difficult for for us to identify with the prodigal son. Maybe there are people who said, well, you know, I've been faithful my whole life. I've never left, so it doesn't apply to me. But it does because, as you mentioned, um, even if we are faithful, still we have the, the problem of sin dividing us from the, from the Father. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and applies to all of us. And so in that sense, we're all prodigals. And um, I, I wondered how many people were, were having difficulty making that connection. Yeah, that is, that is true. Um, it is easy to... To, yeah, to maybe have the attitude, well, I've, I've grown up in the church, I've always been a member, mm-hmm. maybe even you have really good church attendance and you're there every Sunday. Sure. Um, but you're right, the fact is that we are, we are sinners. Um, and, I mean, repentance, that's a daily returning to our baptisms. Yes. Um, and I, I noticed something in your sermon, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you focused on the prodigal son, but even in the painting we have um, two people in the background and it, it did kind of make me think of the older son that's in the story as well. Yeah, I wondered about that uh, since there are two. And they could just be I, servants, right? I thought I, of them as servants who are, you know, the first thing that the father says to his servants, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him, go fill, kill the fattened calf and so on. So the servants are right there. So I'm assuming that's what he's what he means mm-hmm. by the by the two. Sure, yeah, but also just thinking in in the story, something um, that could maybe be another sermon is just um, the attention on like 
the older son as well, exactly. right? And what that he is said. That is a second message, uh, and we'll be focusing on that, I think, during this series. Okay. Um, yeah, that's kind of two stories wrapped together here. Yeah. Sure, yeah. And then I think the last question I had for you, um, I'm assuming, have you preached on this sermon previously? Or I'm sorry, preached on this text? I'm sure I have. <clears throat> but I don't remember when. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Pastor, are there any other questions you'd like me to ask that maybe I didn't touch on? No, I, I appreciate the opportunity just to share with you. Well, yeah, thank you, Pastor Wagner, so much for coming on this podcast. I know this was a new new thing. Um, I think you did. This was great. It was a really good conversation, and um, it would be amazing to have you on again at some point. Um but this wraps up the episode for today. Thank you for listening to our discussion. Um, in case you missed Pastor Wagner's sermon or you'd like to listen to it again, the link to the sermon is in the show notes. And you can also find it on our church website, stjohndublin.org. If you, the listener, would like to submit a question about a sermon, please email us at podcast at stjohndublin.org. Um, well, thank you, Pastor, for joining me and for feeding us the word this week. You're welcome. Great. Take care, you guys. Bye.